The Purple Line is a community podcast bringing you in-depth conversation with diverse leaders. Whether you're a student looking to gather advice or professional tuning in for valuable resources, our dynamic programming provides tips for all ages and backgrounds. Communications Director from the Congressional Hispanic Leadership Institute, Chile. I'm Michelle, and this is The Purple Line. Chile is a nonprofit organization founded by members of Congress to advance the Hispanic community's diversity of thought. Today, we're sitting down with Chile President and CEO, Marianne Gomez Horta. Why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about your background and what brought you to the nonprofit world? An honor to be involved with Chile. I'm the eldest of five. My parents were farm workers in the central California. And all five of us have college degrees, which is not too bad for a, a couple who have third grade educations. So I always like to toot their horn about that. I had the opportunity to uh, go on to college and I studied communications. So I took that communications degree and then ended up in marketing for McDonald's Corporation and Coors Brewing Company. And that's when I really learned really more about business. My passion has always been in education. I think a little bit of being the eldest of five has always been kind of helping other people navigate education and school and how it works. But I always liked communications and PR. That's kind of what led me into corporate. I did the corporate uh, marketing for a number of years in California. Uh, and at the same time, was always very involved in the community on different boards. And that's kind of how I cut my teeth into governance, uh, budget planning for nonprofits, awards and different things that we get to do now at Chile, as well as with other organizations. So that's kind of how I started and then moved to Washington, D.C. in 2009. So it seems like your life experiences have kind of led you down this path. And I'm sure you've never really imagined yourself running a nonprofit. Can you maybe share some of the challenges you may have come across and what did you do to get through them? Oh, I didn't think about running a nonprofit per se. You know, usually when you're in college, you don't think of, oh, someday I want to run a nonprofit. That's kind of like not what people think about. Yeah, Most people, like at least. <laughs> no, not, not, that's not usually the top majors. So I think part of just being involved in the community and kind of having that community advocacy kind of, I guess, in our little bit of our, our blood and our family, I always had something that I was doing in the community that was very fulfilling and balanced being in business. It became kind of a natural. So what ended up happening was when the economy started kind of falling in 2008, late 2007, I was working, interesting enough, at a PR firm. And we lost a lot of business. We lost a lot of government contracts. You know, people have to cut back. And so I found myself in a situation where I was unemployed. So unemployed uh, with a master's degree. I had also recently at that time gone through a very personal tough breakup in a relationship. So the planets were not aligned at all. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go back and live with mom and dad for a little while and kind of just take a pause and see and use that time to figure out what I want to do next. Not having a job was very difficult, uh, but I kind of learned some lessons through that process as well and basically took the time while I was living with mom and dad and decided, you know, I've always liked teaching. I'm going to give it a shot. Like, well, I'm technically unemployed. Let's see. Let's see if I can do this. So I did. So I started teaching at a vocational school. I taught at University of Phoenix. And then I helped a friend of mine who was teaching at Sacramento City College with a couple of public speaking classes. So that's kind of what I did to 
kind of fill that time in your head and mm -hmm. your mind when it's you know eight hours a day you would normally be working mm -hmm. and you're not and you're trying to figure out what to do you you still have to use your mind you have to use that muscle and keep it going and it's also very easily to fall into a depression and just kind of you know everything gets so deflated so teaching was really good for me it gave me an opportunity to see if i really enjoyed it it gave me an opportunity to connect with different people every day that were also very kind of uplifting and encouraging so that kind of helped the ego going back to live with mom and dad as an adult was not easy but uh, i think we all grew to earn each other's respect at a very different level. I know that experiences like those aren't necessarily the ones that we want to share or talk about, but I do find them important, especially for our young listeners, because they're relatable. Take, for instance, any student that may be out there doing an internship program at the moment, most likely they're worried because they don't know what their next step will be. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, since we're in the topic of internship, I kind of wanted to talk about our Chile Global Leaders program. And I'm curious, since you've joined the organization, how have you seen it grow? And what would you like it to look like in the next few years? The Global Leaders Internship Program that we have now really has been a culmination of a lot of people's input, some of it from former interns, some that I've read up and I'm always kind of reading up on what's the latest teaching, you know, how do we integrate a college experience to a real life experience, trying to stay ahead of what employers are looking for. And yes, kind of using that teacher and research hat to, to see how we can add value to it. And then also looking at what sponsors have asked for, the kind of nuggets that they add to it as well. So now we have an internship program where you know, I've been here since 2011 and I have not run into another internship program like it. And when I talk about it and when everybody else talks about it, people are like, wow, how do you guys do that? And basically it's one semester in Washington, half of the semester, the interns intern for a member of Congress on the Hill. And then the second half of the semester, they intern for a private sector, meaning a government relations office of a major corporation. And maybe sometimes a lobbying shop, but still in the private sector. Then while they're still here, you know, we, we take them to receptions. We take them to museums. We do lunch and learn sessions with different sponsors, with board members. Uh, they go to embassies, just whatever we can pack in. And every semester kind of is a little different because it depends what's going on in town. And it also depends on the cohort. Every group has its own little character and personality. And they all kind of have different things that they want to do. And so we try to massage that a little bit for them. The, the content of it has been added as the semesters and the years gone by. So for example, we did a research white paper in 2017 where we interviewed alumni and gathered their insights. And then I went out and I actually asked HR directors, hey, here's the white paper, here's the findings. What do you see and how can we improve our program? And that's how we added the more structured orientation. And then we added more structure to kind of like the wrap-up week sort of like prep them to go back to the real world that they came from. Because sometimes you can get a little jaded in Washington, D.C. It's a very different, you know, yeah. perspective. So, and that has really made the program different. The other aspect that makes the Chile Global Leaders Program really different is that I say that what adds it is that it adds the Chile Familia love, right? So I tell people and parents who I talk to, Trust us with your students for a semester. You know, this is this is our background. This is what we do. We're here for them because sometimes they don't have that support system even back home. 
As someone who has had the opportunity to experience a Chile Fellowship, I can definitely vouch for the uniqueness of the program. And yeah, there is a sense of family. You just always know you have a home away from home and there's always someone that you can reach out to from the relationships you've had the opportunity to build. I think for me, another important thing is when I'm explaining who and what Chile is, is that for me, Chile is a resource. It's a place where I get information and whether it's through our Congressional Hill briefings where we bring to light topics affecting the Hispanic community or our Future Leaders Conference where we offer students career advice, there's always information being provided. Something I'm looking forward to this year is the Red Whitey Doo Tour. And I joined the team just right after we hosted our first one in 2016. So can you give us a little background and some insight on what's to come? So one of the things that is really important, obviously, with, with all of us, whether you're in Washington or anywhere else, is the opportunity to vote. We started in the last presidential election, uh, what we call Red, Whitey, Do education forums, really kind of highlighting the importance of voting and having people who could speak on both sides of the aisle. We had Republicans, we had Democrats, uh, we incorporated some comedy in the discussion, and we were at three different universities. So this year, we're going to do the same thing. So our Red, White, Do tour is basically going to be in September. We're going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada, in Phoenix, Arizona, and in Orlando, Florida. Three different universities uh, with support from members of Congress, some local elected officials, some community partners, and we'll have it at a university. And it's basically a conversation with college students to just say, here's why you should vote. It's an opportunity that you have. And I think it's really important too for students of color to really, because we kind of look at things that we do a little bit different. We've always been a we community. You know, if I go and vote, I'm always thinking about what's going to be good for my mom and dad, what's going to be good for my family, what's going to be good for the neighborhood. So I think a lot of us, we kind of vote as a, a sense of community. And so I think that's even more important for students of color. And in particular, we're talking about Hispanic college students to, to really give thought to voting because it's not a selfish act. The right to vote is not one that a lot of us have had. It's an opportunity to use it as a way to get your voice out and to, to help your community. So another thing that's happening this year is the census. That's another important initiative that the Chile will be taking on. It is super important that everyone complete that census form. There's going to be information coming out in February. I believe the forms and all that information, the sweet spots are basically the month of March and the month of April. Why does that matter? It matters because it's all about the private and the business sector. It's basically what moves everything else. So the way that the congressional districts are created is based on how many people the censuses are there. The way that corporate America makes decision on their hiring, on their philanthropy, on, you know, benchmarking, marketing ideas, it's all based on the census. The way that we allocate funds at the federal level, then down to the state and at the county level, it's all based on the census. Not a lot of people like to be counted and fill out information that seems very personable. Say like someone who has a parent who's an immigrant and they're concerned how it will affect them. There's a lot of people who have raised that concern. Your citizenship status is not going to be impacted at all. This is basically in the Constitution. It says every person has to be counted. 
That information does not go into a service or a department that would make a connection and a dotted line and figure out who's in the house and, you know, is somebody there legally or are they a citizen or are they a permanent resident? Are they a student, you know, a refugee? None of that stuff gets cross-referenced with anybody else. And if people do feel uncomfortable, there will be some 800 numbers for people to call. We're going to have, as you mentioned before, you know, one of the things that we do is provide resources. So we'll add information about the census, just as we'll add information about voting on our website. So people can kind of go there and look for some additional information. Bottom line is that we need as many people counted to make sure that when the day comes to allocating resources and being able to contribute to that community, that we know how many people we're impacting at that time. Yes, we definitely want to have the accurate information and be counted for. Marianne, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule to speak to us about Chile and highlight some important information like the census. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? When people think of uh, Washington, D.C., that they also think about the richness and how it's almost, you know, the center of the universe for a lot of different things. And I know sometimes people think that, oh, you know, I don't want to go to Washington or all those people in Washington and all these special interests and all these different layers. And you know what? There may be some elements of that, but there's a lot of really good things that happen in Washington. There's a lot of really good people on both sides of the aisle doing their best to make positive, impactful change. And so for those who maybe haven't had the opportunity to come to Washington or be part of a program or an internship or even a job, I really encourage you to give it some opportunities and give it some thought for yourself because it really does make a positive impact for you to have that experience and to really see what it's like to be in Washington because there really are a lot of really good things happening here. I know I didn't always think of that. There would be a lot of positive things going on. And I think positive part of it too is that Chile has that special place where we're very inclusive. If you look at our board, we're, you know, bipartisan. We have people from different backgrounds. It's a it's a good place to be because Chile does have that perspective. And so I'd encourage people to get to learn more about the organization, about the founders, about our board members, and check out what other opportunities. Maybe we can collaborate with them, whether it's here in Washington or some other city. 